Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. In the name of Allah, the gracious, the ever merciful. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. May peace and blessings of Allah be upon you. Today is Monday, the 28th of November 2022. The time is 7.05 a.m. and you're listening to your host, Ani al live from the South London studios of Voice of Islam. Um, we have two topics for you, as is the norm. Uh, the first one is about climate anxiety and the results from COP27. So we shall uh, talk about what has actually been achieved or uh, not achieved in COP27. So look at that in detail. Um, and then from about 8.15 onwards, so, so the uh, first topic will be about 7.30 onwards. And the second topic, which is about UK pupils, um, uh, a bit of a hunger crisis there and uh, a lot of food insecurity among pupils um, or some pupils in uh, the UK. So we shall talk about that from 8.15 a.m. onwards. So those are the two topics of the day. Please do do join us in these discussions by calling us at 0208-687-7878. And you can also tweet us at Voice of Islam UK. Right. Um, let me start um, by discussing the uh, headlines um, appearing in the newspapers this morning. So... Um, Several of uh, today's newspapers um, uh, lead with growing discontent in China as protesters clash with with police over there over uh, China's strict zero COVID uh, policies. The Financial Times reports that in the financial hub of Shanghai on Sunday, police struggled to disperse large crowds which had gathered and anti-government slogans were shouted during the second day of disorder. The FT notes that the backlash poses one of the most explicit challenges to the ruling Chinese Communist Party's authority in decades. Metro dubs it the great brawl of China on its front page. The latest unrest follows a protest in the northwestern city of Urumqi, where 10 people died in a tower fire block or, or t- tower block fire. Uh, protesters have blamed lockdown rules for hampering rescue efforts, but authorities deny this. The paper describes the police crackdown on dissidents, reporting that pepper spray and police batons have been used to quell gatherings. The Daily Telegraph says Beijing is facing unprecedented disobedience as demonstrators spread with protesters calling for President Xi Xi Jinping to resign. Hundreds have taken to the streets of major cities and there are calls for a regime change, the paper adds. Separately, the paper carries a report which says more than 2,000 NHS trust managers are earning six-figure salaries. It comes as nurses prepare to strike in what is said to be the biggest walkout in NHS history over a pay dispute with the government. The Times says that military personnel would drive ambulances and fill frontline roles in hospitals under plans to cope with the walkouts. In addition to the plans uh, to the planned nurse strike, ambulance drivers, paramedics, cleaners, and porters are among those who have who could also walk out over the coming months. The paper reports that health and defense officials are drawing up plans for the government to keep um, the NHS functioning. The Guardian's lead story centers on the price of Brexit. According to the paper, the NHS acute shortage of doctors has been made worse by Brexit, with more than 4,000 European doctors choosing not to work in the UK. Four major specialties, anesthetics, 
children, psychiatry and heart and lung treatment have been left with long-standing doctor shortages. It adds, the Daily Express carries a much more optimistic headline outlining what it calls Rishi Sunak's radical new plan to boost NHS and save lives. According to the paper, the Prime Minister has promised a life-saving shake-up of the health service inspired by the COVID jab, uh, COVID jabs offtake. Sunak losing control as story, rebellions grow is the headline on the front of the eye as the paper reports that the Prime Minister is facing mounting pressure on multiple fronts. The Prime Minister is due to make decisions on issues such as energy, housing, policing and transport, the paper says, adding that it is understood that Mr Sunak is considering U-turning on his promise to ban onshore wind. Former Chancellor George Osborne has warned the government is not in control of the events, the I adds. And uh, finally, uh, a few papers cover Matt Hancock's time in I Am Celebrity, Get Me Out of Hair. The former health secretary left the jungle on Sunday after finishing third. Now Get Him Out of Hair is the headline of the front of the Daily Mirror signaling to the Houses of Parliament. The paper reports that there are calls for him to quit politics when he returns home with the MP facing criticism for leaving his day job to take part in the ITV show. So those uh, were the headlines appearing in the newspapers this morning. A reminder of the two topics that we shall be discussing today. So the first is about um, the results from COP27 and the fact that there is still a lot of climate anxiety and still a lot um, that uh, uh, was was not achieved in COP27. So that we shall discuss from 7.30 a.m. onwards. And then from 8.15 a.m. onwards, we shall talk about the... Uh, the uncertainty among uh, some pupils, a lot of pupils actually, about um, uh, about getting um, uh, free school meals, um, and there is a bit of uh, a crisis in some areas of UK as well. So that will be discussed from eight fifteen a.m. onwards. Please do join us for both of these discussions by calling us at zero two zero eight six eight seven. 7878. You can also tweet us at Voice of Islam UK. We shall now take a quick break, and when we come back, we shall continue with the discussion around the, head, the headlines and the important stories making news this morning, and we shall keep discussing that until 7.30 a.m. So please do join us right after this break. Listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. 
السلام علیکم ورحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ ویلکم بیک ٹو دس لائیو ایڈیشن آف دا بریکفسٹ شو فرام دی ساؤتھ لنڈن اسٹوڈیوز وائس آف اسلام وی ٹاکنگ اباؤٹ دی نیوز آئٹمس اپیئرنگ ان دا نیوز پیپرس ٹوڈے سو سم تھنگ وچ وچ آئی تھاٹ انٹرسٹنگ دس مارننگ از کیریڈ بائی دا گارڈین نیوز پیپر اٹس اسٹوری ریٹن بائی پالا کوکوٹسا اینڈ اٹس اباؤٹ پال ایڈورڈس نیو اسٹارٹ آفٹر سکسٹی ویئر نی سیز آئی کوٹ ڈرنکنگ اینڈ لرنڈ ٹو میک گٹارز So when Paul Edwards left school at 15 he headed to the careers office in Salford Greater Manchester to speak to the man behind the glass hatch the careers officer riffled through his little box of cards and pulled out two one card advertised a vacancy for a violin maker's apprentice the other for a precision grinder which paid twice as much Edwards mother told him there was no choice he became a precision grinder He must have thought that this fork in the road many times since because two years ago at 62 he built a guitar. And the first thing I thought was, why didn't I do this when I left school, he says. Instead, he hopped from place to place, or rather hopped from place to place, following work. I never really had a career path, he says. He had worked from the age of 12 painting ships alongside his father in the docks at Old Trafford. You grow up fast when you are the oldest of six boys, he says. Edward's childhood home was full of music. My mum was singing all the time. I can still hear her now. One day, my prince will come. The radio was always on. We had records. At 13, Edward saved his wages and bought us 50 pounds bass on high pitches. It was red, shiny and beautiful, he says. He had always been good with his hands so when the precision grinding didn't work out he got a job as a stage hand at the Devonport Theater in Stockport his first first step into the arts world further stints in the same vein followed building sets at Cambridgeshire Art Theater and working for a company that made structures for rich people's parties After he got married at 30 and had two children with his now ex-wife music mostly faded from Edward's life His childhood base broke. He did a degree in civil engineering, became a maths teacher in Sussex, and when his marriage ended, turned to drink. Two or three bottles of wine with a meal, then I started drinking spirits, he says. He returned to Salford in 2016 to care for his mum. Health problems from breathing in the sawdust for 20 years made it impossible to work, he says. His brother Graham gave him a guitar to fix. an old broken fender edward says he wasn't interested in fenders he like grenches he said you can have this if you want it was in bits i looked at it for a while and didn't do anything with it when his mum died in 2018 edward's drinking got worse then two years later gram da- gram died suddenly in his sleep and edward fell into deeper despair that was just a killer he was supposed to be coming around the next night it wasn't like he didn't have any plans i went mad on the booze he says in the next two weeks between graham's death and his funeral i was waking up on the floor occasionally i've had two bottles of rum a day it was so stupid he says he thought of ending his life i thought i should have been um i should have done it uh but um it was always um 
wanted to change. He was always helpful as a child. My mum used to call me her little prince, he says, and saying the words makes him laugh. A week after Graham's funeral, Edwards had a realisation. I don't know why something made me stop. I just thought this is stupid. I had that fender he'd given me, so I decided I'd do something about it, basically thinking of my brother. He set about putting the pieces together. Since then, I've been hooked on it, he says. He had other broken guitars lying around. He overhauled his, chi his shiny childhood bass, which is now a jigsaw of differently grained woods. Then he thought, why don't I make one from scratch? I've got the skills. I had the tools. So he did. Now he has music and craft in his life, and he hasn't had a drink since 2020. I'm learning things all the time, creating new things that I think are beautiful, he says. The telecaster that Graham had given him now features a sunburst of grained veneers. So that was um, an interesting story, which I, I thought um, I'd share with listeners uh, this morning. Um, yeah, very inspirational. This is carried by The Guardian this morning, and it's written by Paula Kakutza. Um Imam Daniel, anything um, you want to share, talk about? Yeah, mm, surely. Uh, this news is all the way from Italy. So um, a very sad incident happened there. So this piece of article is by CNN. And it says that emergency declared after deadly landslide on Italy, um, Italy's island of uh, Ischia. So Italy has declared a state of emergency after at least one person was killed as heavy rain caused a landslide on the Italian holiday, uh, holiday island of uh, Ischia on Saturday. Um, as of Sunday morning, 10 people remain missing, 8 people have been rescued and 209 more evacuated from area where the landslide occurred. The Campania Prefecture Office told CNN. So, Italian Prime Minister Giorgia Meloni announced the state of emergency over what she said called exceptional flood and landslides events in a state uh, in a statement on Sunday. It provides for two million over two million pounds, uh, rather over two million euros in aid and assistance to the local population affected by the landslide and came into effect from Saturday, adds the statement. Search and rescue operations were underway in the small town of um, Casamisolia uh, and reinforcements were sent from Naples, said the Italian fire brigade. But weather conditions uh, complicated the search. Uh, Italy's civil uh, protection Department told CNN on Saturday. The operations were being coordinated uh, by the Naples Prefecture authorities told CNN 70 firefighters are currently on the island assisting with the search and rescue, Italian Fire Brigade said in a tweet. So Ischia is in the Gulf of Naples, was um, hit by the torrential rain early this Saturday, uh, damaging cars, buildings and roads. And um, 
videos and images shared by the local and national authorities earlier today showed the destruction uh, in the port town and um, uh, Meloni said, uh, the Prime Minister said on Twitter that she was in contact with local authorities uh, expressing uh, solidarity with residents and uh, thanking their rescue services. Um, in February 2021, a, a landslide on the Italian coast near Genoa caused the collapse of a cemetery leading to hundreds of coffins falling into the sea. So that was a very sad incident uh, happened in um, uh, Italy. Uh, likewise, we have, uh, you know, uh, another article which caught my eye and uh, it's regarding, you know, the Prince William and Kate um, uh, who are going to visit U.S. for climate change prize? So, in their first, this is their first international trip here. Yeah? So, since becoming Prince and Princess of Wales, William, uh, Catherine will visit William and Catherine will visit uh, the U.S. Uh, this week for an environmental prize. The royal couple will show their support for finding ways to tackle climate change at the second annual. Earth Short Prize Awards in Boston. Environmental campaigner Sir David Attenborough will also be contributing. Uh, the awards were launched by Prince William last year and the trip to Boston will be his first big international appearance since becoming Prince of, Prince of Wales. As well as a prize ceremony on Friday, Prince William and Catherine will be on show in front of the U.S. public, which in recent months will have seen much coverage of the royal uh, family, ranging from the Queen's funeral to the Netflix drama The Crown to stories about Prince Harry and Meghan. Prince William uh, will be seen as taking on the environmental, ma uh, environmental mantle from his father, King Charles but he will also be setting out his own stall, showing how much he wants to engage in green issues. Uh, he will want to move uh, the US royal coverage away from the gossip pages and onto more serious matters, using the days before the award to visit projects for the disadvantaged in Boston and to see green technology uh, schemes. So these are the news for uh, this segment. Um, uh, now we will take a short break and after the short break we will come with uh, our first segment which will be about um, the climate anxiety. So see you after break. Ashhadu an la 
listening to the voice of islam radio assalam alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh welcome back to this live edition of the breakfast show from the southland studios of voice of islam we are now about to delve into the first topic of the morning which is about climate anxiety which seems to be on the rise so global leaders recently met for the un climate summit called cop 27 in sharm el sheikh um and um as um the conference um, could produce a few results um one of course was that um a fund was established for for developing countries but other than that uh, in terms of tangible um agreements or tangible way forward to reduce um, the climate emergency there was um um little to to talk about It is no surprise therefore that climate anxiety is rising particularly among young people who have mostly only known a world affected by climate change. Experts uh, and activists uh, have been talking about uh, fears that can actually um uh, be quite um, quite devastating for many individuals. So what is climate anxiety? and why is it on the rise? So climate anxiety is the fear or tension towards climate change. global leaders uh, as i mentioned earlier met at the un climate summit uh, horrific floods in pakistan recently and the drought in east africa with blistering heat waves are some of the reasons why anxiety about climate change is rising um and especially among young children experts and activists have told bbc for example that these fears can actually be um uh, be good news for the planet so professor loren Whitmarsh, an environmental psychologist psychologist at the University of Bath said people who are really aware of climate change may be more motivated to take action. In a research there was a link found between concerns about climate change and taking action, for example carbon footprint being reduced by second-hand use or reducing waste. Climate anxiety is linked to negative and terrifying news about the planet. Roizen who is in the youth advisory board of Save the Children told the BBC I think it's hard not to worry about climate change we're constantly bombarded with news articles and social media about how it's just crisis after crisis ice caps melting disasters it can all be very overwhelming she says youth advisory board of save the children also found out that 70% of children in the UK were are worried about the world they are inheriting however she told the bbc a hopeful side as well you can always see young activists like greta thunberg and people like david attenborough taking action zara biabani a 23 year old campaigner also told the bbc that the climate change catastrophe can be misleading she realized she realized there was a gap between education and action which was being filled by doomism she's expressed that it is expected to worry about the world but sinking into despair and climate doomism is not the solution so talking about um, solutions i'd now like to play a short clip from the fifth head or uh, fifth and the current head of the amdi muslim community hazrat mirza masrur ahmed may allah be his helper um around what he said about what efforts we should make to try and solve the problems of climate change let's take a listen You see 
this climate change or climate change problem is the issue everywhere all across the world, right? And uh, especially in the third world countries where uh, the population is increasing in numbers, eh? in, in uh, you can say without any proportion. So and uh, just to accommodate this population, you are uh, increasing your uh, residential areas. And because of increasing the residential areas, you, you are uh, cutting the forest. So this deforestation is also causing climate change. So you, you have to be very particular, very concerned that whenever you cut any tree, you should plant two trees to replace the, that tree. And whenever you are in, the population is increasing, you should also increase in that area where there is already some uh, clear area. Not that you cut, cut the forests and uh, do deforestation. And apart from that, you see, this uh, fuel consumption should also be reduced. Now we have, we have become so lazy that if we want to go from one place to the other place and the distance is only 100 yards or 200 yards, instead of walking to the place, we shall take our motorbike or the car to go to that place, right? And in this way also you are polluting the atmosphere. The pollution is increasing in the environment. And there are so many other factors which are causing pollution and climate change. And so we have to be very careful, although we cannot say that because of the fear of climate change, we should, should not produce children or we should do family planning. No, but at the same time, we should plan in such a way that forests should not be cut without any proportion. If you cut one tree, you plant two trees. Try to establish your or develop your areas, or increase your to make your new to 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 start new developments, residential developments in those areas which are near to the town and the, the big villages so that the forests are not disturbed. And at the same time, use less uh, such type of vehicles which are uh, being uh, run by the fuel fuels and are now making pollution in the atmosphere, right? So, and apart from that, that is a natural process. And uh, if God wishes that he has to reduce the population of this world, then that is the natural process that he will, the, the nature, law of nature will also work. So whatever we should do is that whatever is in our hand, we should try to do that one. Right? So, 
you should if you are using motorbike don't use it too much if you are using car don't use it too much eh? it would be better if you walk even up to one mile distance doesn't matter right and also khudamul amdia and waqfin and all should start a scheme to for the plantation of the trees in the forests and in different areas right and in indonesia also because of the climate change you know the 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 level of the sea is increasing and uh, now jakarta is now sinking eh? there are quite a number of places the beaches and the seashore areas where your buildings even are sinking right and it is said that after some time after a few years you would not, you would not, you would not be able to see jakarta on the face of the earth eh? right so it is not only that because uh, indonesian people are uh, not uh, vigilant uh, with regards to um, take measures for the betterment of the climate but it is you see it is it's a global issue so in the north pole south pole everywhere it is being it is happening so we can also pray and also try our best to reduce this climate change right okay assalamu alaikum So that was uh, His Holiness Hazrat Mirza Masroor Ahmed, may Allah be his helper, talking about how we should try to resolve the uh, or solve the problems of climate change. Um, so, uh, talking about climate anxiety, so what are the ways to uh, cope with climate anxiety? So, um, one of the ways uh, it is suggested is that uh, you can take action, join a local group um, that does something to tackle the problem. Um, or lobby politicians to pass laws find like-minded people who work together to advance a goal do not totally switch off um it is um said that people uh, who shut down completely um it can be can be uh, that would be a, uh, a bit of an extreme approach to take and, and it's not good for their own mental health um so one expert um caroline suggests that uh, focus on the good news find stories about progress made in curbing climate change on a new solution look for information that is a source of encouragement that doesn't blindside you give yourself a break do something unrelated to the problem exercise go outdoors read or watch a movie find an activity not connected to climate change is really cathartic and can really be beneficial she adds keeping active is also a way to to cope with uh, climate anxiety it has been proven that exercising or taking part in physical activity lowers uh, the uh, chances of depression by as much as 30% exercise is seen as a way to improve one's life by reducing symptoms of stress and anxiety anger and improving overall mood joining an environmental cause could also help cope with climate anxiety organize a litter pick for example with friends and family reaching out to the local environment groups to help clean up the street streets or beaches or in the general community supporting local groups can also help one's own well-being 
You might also want to consider therapy or counseling. Negative thinking about climate change can lead to anxiety and prevent one from living their life to the fullest. Taking cognitive behavioral, behavioral therapy or CBT can also help alleviate negative thinking. So those are the, some of the approaches that you can try. Uh, let me now play a short clip um, also from uh, Hazrat Mizam Masood Ahmed, the current and the fifth head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, may Allah be his helper, about, um, it, in which he talks about uh, many people worried about climate change and what's, um, what really is Islam's take on, on climate change. Let's take a listen. My question is, many people are worried about climate change recently. What is Islam's take on climate change? And is there any advice for people at home? Allah Ta'ala says that excess of everything is bad, right? Although, you see, whatever the climate change is because of the industrial revolution, too much uh, smoke is being sent on in the air, air is being polluted, this is why it is one of the causes of the climate changes. Secondly, the, the, the trees are being cut and uh, no new forestation is being done, in the, especially in the third world countries, right? Although the population is increasing, but if we have proper plans, we can make we can accommodate the population in such a way that uh, within the limited area of the land we can accommodate as many people as possible, right? And infrastructure should be provided according to that, okay? So, if we are not following the, you need, the what law of nature requires from us, then the ultimate result will be that we are going to ruin our future. We are going to doom ourselves or our generation. So the the best way is that uh, instead of the the greed or involving too much involving ourselves too much in in the in the the comfort of the world and by creating so much of gadgets and and you see without any you know proper planning increase our production and because of the competition as China is doing, and India is doing, or America is doing, now China, China says that because America started this pollution on, of the climate pollution some hundred years ago, so this is why they have advanced themselves. Now we have started it now, and we shall take again next hundred years before we stop. So every country have their own vested interests. They are not uh, thinking of their future, about their future generation, right? So, the best thing is that 
apart from making proper planning, that uh, how much fuel emission should be done or how can we control it alongside it we should encourage and even force the third world countries to plant more trees so their uh, the air pollution becomes less and in this way it will help us to reduce the climate change so that was Hazrat Mirza Masroor Ahmed, the fifth, the fifth head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, talking about how to solve uh, uh, the very important problem of climate change. Um, we are now coming up to the eight o'clock news, um, and we'll break for that. But when we come back, we will continue to talk about the solutions and give you um, solutions, uh, continue to give you solutions around um, what Islam says. And uh, and how uh, we can solve this uh, this very big <laughs> challenge that humanity faces uh, from an Islamic perspective. So please do stay tuned. Uh, Eight o'clock news is next, and uh, and when we come back, we will, as I said, continue discussion around the Islamic perspective of this topic of climate change. <laughs> He is the king of the kings and indeed is the master of the day of judgment. He is the Lord of all creation. The master of the day of judgment is one who runs the affairs of the masses according to his will. Malik, master, is one who has total possession of creation and has this possession without the help of any partnership and that this is not applicable to anyone but Allah. Unlike a Malik, king, from whom one seeks everything. The term Malik, master, denotes that God is responsible for everything, including food, reward, and punishment. The rule of God is not like any kingship of this world. Rather, it has total ownership and control. God has expounded the good and the bad deeds to us and has given us free will in this world and has told us that He has the right to punish and that the decision to punish or forgive is with Him. The promised Messiah on whom be peace said that the attribute of Master of the Day of Judgment demands that we turn to Him with extreme and utmost humility, sincerity, and meekness. Those who turn to Allah in the manner of a completely helpless and powerless person and do actually and genuinely believe in their utter incapacity as they submit, find beneficence from this divine quality. Malik is a quality of deed that promotes and advocates a profusion of mercy and compassion 
However, how can man imbibe this divine attribute on a human level? Adopting mastership means that man may do justice and may avoid evil. In this capacity, he also overlooks others' wrongs, either out of mercy, compassion, or forgiveness. These human qualities only come to the fore when one is in authority and possesses control over something. One's good moral qualities and courtesy only come into focus when one is given status. An awareness of the attribute of Malikiyat turns one heart tender with the awe of punishment and thus generates a true insight. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. May peace and blessings for love upon you all. Welcome back to the live edition of Breakfast Show. So in this segment, we will discuss um, um, this uh, climate change or climate anxiety through the Islamic lens. You know, a lot of things are happening in the world right now. We are going through financial crisis and we have to, you know, uh, face such issues as well, which, uh, which are impacting on the life of, uh, of uh, each and every life, especially the youth. The, their health is impacting uh, a lot. So, you know, I I was reading uh, earlier before about regarding David Attenborough, uh, and he says that uh, um, that uh, we are running out of time to save the planet unless urgent action is taken on climate change. You know, that's uh, that's a warning. You know, when reading this. Um, our heart trembles so calling for an end to you know burning um, burning of fossil fossil fuels um, uh, that uh, Daily Mirror describes his words as his starkest warning yet about our future existence and the conversation says uh, he is adopting a much stronger position so while discussing uh, discussing these things, you know, we came to a conclusion during the pandemic that such things can be reduced and we can save our planet. You know, it is not a, such a it's not such a thing that which cannot be you know dealt with uh, uh, with with care. Rather, we can take uh, we need to take uh, steps. We need to take measures uh, like we did in the COVID like we did take steps, uh, precautions, measures, and which helped us reduce the greenhouse uh, gas emissions uh, overall. So, you know, talking uh, about this issue through the Islamic uh, perspective or lens, uh, we see that um, Islam is such a beautiful and sublime uh, religion that it gives uh, very comprehensive uh, directives concerning each and every aspect of life. So regarding this issue, we see that the, our our master, our um, holy prophet, uh, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, has said um, that cleanliness is a part of one's faith. Rather in another you know account, he says that. Uh, cleanliness is half of one's faith, half of one's faith. That's a big statement. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, as a Muslim, 
when we read such accounts when we go through such accounts and reading uh, the holy quran and uh, the hadith um, uh, which are the accounts of uh, holy prophet uh, may peace and blessings of allah be upon him you know as as a muslim it's uh, we are obliged to act upon uh, his his practice uh, his his customs and his sayings and we uh, we see that you know um uh, that in in general in muslims they do take uh, a lot uh, they do, do take care about uh, the cleanliness and regarding this we found a lot of hadith and uh, verses from the holy quran like uh, in quran allah the almighty says that in chapter 31 verse 21 that have you not seen that allah has pressed for you unto service whatever is in the heavens and whatever is in the earth and has completed his favor on you both externally and internally so there is also a hadith about a man who asked the holy prophet uh, whether he should leave his camel untied in the desert and trust in allah uh, that it would be not be stolen or run away uh or if he should tie his camel the holy prophet uh, replied that he should both tie his camel and place his trust in allah this this shows that islam encourages us to take both practical and spiritual approaches to problems so the, the, there will be a lot of people who thinks that uh, if we have to accept religion we have to go through we have to find the problems through religion uh, it will only give you the solution spiritually yeah it do gives you the solution through spiritually but only but it also gives you the solution um in a worldly manner as well both uh, practical and spiritual approaches uh, is taken by islam to uh, to dealt and solve the problems so with regards to the climate uh, crisis we should try our you know utmost uh, to increase sustainability and uh, reduce climate change and understand that our actions have consequences you know in this world um, for instance uh, using thing using things faster than they are produced will cause them to run out uh, we should also trust in god almighty that you know he is ar-razaq so one of his uh, attributes is ar-razaq meaning that he is the provider and provides us with both uh, material and spiritual sustenance uh there is another very beautiful uh, hadith saying of uh, the holy prophet uh, may peace and blessing of allah be upon him he says that um, um the earth is green and beautiful and allah has appointed you his stewards over it the whole earth has been created a place of worship pure and clean whoever plants a tree and diligently looks after it until it matures and bears fruit is rewarded if a pers- if a muslim plants a tree or sows a field and humans and beasts and birds eat from it all of it is charity on his part so as a muslim you know all muslims try to strive and uh, for the to for the for the uh, to get the blessings of allah the almighty as so, so has been a mention in the hadith uh, uh, which i have read before you that 
doing so it's also part of doing charity and by doing charity uh, we believe that we will get reward we will get the blessings from Allah the Almighty so moving on forward uh, we you know we are the community the MDM Muslim community uh, who believes to tread on the path of uh, the righteous teachings of Islam which was given us to, uh, given to us by the Holy Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam uh, 1400 years ago and he says that some people try to bear it and contain their anguish within themselves they do not express their grief and instead they prefer isolation by remaining isolated they are able to lament or cry in their prayers with grief you have shed you have to shed it and release it somehow so to lessen one's sorrow sometimes a person resorts to crying and thus the sadness diminishes so uh, we are going to finish this segment uh, with the verse of the Holy Quran that says that certainly in the remembrance of Allah do hearts find comfort so after a short break we will meet you in the next segment so please do join us in the next segment Listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. May peace and blessings of Allah be upon you. Welcome back to this live edition of the Breakfast Show from South London Studios of Voice of Islam. We are swiftly moving on to the second topic of the morning, which is about the hunger crisis, uh, the pupils' hunger crisis in the UK. So there have been um, reports. Um, uh, from the Liberal Democrats, actually, which found that more than 100,000 children in England may be missing out on free school meals at a time when costs have soared. This was carried by The Guardian uh, in an article which reports that children not eligible for free school meals are coming to school with mouldy bread, empty wraps, and in some cases, nothing at all, according to teachers who told the media they had never seen such desperation in the communities they serve. While the proportion of children eligible for free school meals in England has jumped 15% uh, from 15% rather in 2019 to more than 22% this year, head teachers say the numbers of invisible hungry from families living in poverty but not poor enough to qualify has also increased. 
on top of the 1.9 million children eligible for free school meals, mainly because they live in households receiving benefits and with an annual income below £7,400, the Child Poverty Action Group estimates that there are 800,000 children in families below the poverty line. 800,000 children in families below the poverty line on universal credit or other benefits, but missing out on free school meals. Head teachers say the effects of hunger on their students are stark. Children who come to school hungry are going to struggle to concentrate, struggle to learn and struggle to behave, and that's what makes our job harder, said the head of a secondary state school in West Midlands. The problem extends to the wealthiest parts of England, such as Wokingham or Windsor, where about 1 in 10 pupils are eligible for free school meals. But the numbers soar in more deprived parts of the country. Islington, Blackpool and Manchester have more than 40% of all children eligible. In the northeast of England, nearly 1 in 3 pupils are eligible, compared with about 1 in 6 in the southeast. The governments in Scotland and Wales have said that they will extend free school meals to all primary primary school children in England, only infants in the first three years of primary school from reception to year two receive free lunches across the board at present. Let me now go to our first guest um, uh, of the segment, Anna Taylor, who is executive director of the Food Foundation. She has led the organization since its inception in 2015. She was previously a senior government advisor on nutrition and was the principal advisor on the Government Commission National Food Strategy published in 2021. Assalamu alaikum. Peace be with you. A very warm welcome to The Breakfast Show. Good morning. Thank you. Morning, Anna. So, um, yeah, let's let's uh, tell us uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, Food Foundation. Please enlighten us. What what does the Food Foundation do? Uh, well, at the moment, we're um, coordinating a, a group of charities who are campaigning um, to extend free school meals to the 800,000 children that you talked about who mm. are currently living below the poverty line but are not eligible. Mm. Um, so what, we're, what we do is we build um, the evidence and we put it in a package so that the government can review it and consider the policy proposal um, and hopefully um, make a decision to extend free school meals to more children. And we've been looking at things like the cost-benefit analysis. You know, if you put spending on free school meals, what kind of impact does it have on the wider economy as well as on children's educational outcomes and so forth? Do you have a sense of what um, is going to be the total bill for the government if they were to agree to this proposal of, of feeding another 800,000? Yeah, I mean, it costs about 400, well, the cost estimates are 477 million pounds um, hmm. per year. Per year. Um, but what we've done is uh, one of our partners has commissioned the um, accountants, the PwC or management consultants to work on estimating the return on investment and what their analysis has shown that for every pound we spend on free school meals we get one pound 38 back in terms of wider benefits so that would be obviously a mixture of 
savings for parents, which mean that they can spend money on other things um, to benefit themselves and the wider economy. But importantly, better educational outcomes. And those children, the evidence shows, go on and earn more as adults because they've done better in school as a result of having free school meals. Um, and then, of course, there's also savings that come to the NHS because free school meals and good school food is known to help children to get a healthy weight and so that they're not um, entering into adulthood with overweight or obesity. Well, in, in the in the larger scheme of things, I mean, you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, 477 million isn't uh, isn't a huge amount, given the billions that have been spent by the government in various packages in COVID relief, uh, in um, even things like um, you know um, uh, what was that called? Uh, eat out to help out. That's right. Yeah. And. Um, uh, and I was just looking. I mean, the, the billions that are spent um, uh, on uh, on on defense budget. So, you know, we we're just talking of a very very small amount. You know, in the largest scheme, four hundred seventy seven million, and that's the future generation we're talking about. Exactly. And the, the other thing about free school meals, of course, is it's highly targeted. You know, it pays mm-hmm. for meals for children living in more disadvantaged circumstances, and so. You know, it it sort of packages up just not just the finance, relieving the benef- relieving the pressures on parents, but also, of course, packs that finance with good nutrition for children so that they can grow well um, and perform their best in school. So, this four hundred seventy-seven million again to uh, to have full perspective, is this the mm. cost in England only, or is this the UK wide cost? Yeah, this is England because we've got yeah. a situation at the moment where. Scotland and Wales have both, the governments in Scotland and Wales have moved towards making uh, school meals free for all pupils in primary school, regardless of how much their parents earn. Um, And in Northern Ireland, yeah, in Northern Ireland, um, the threshold for being eligible for free free school meals is much higher than in England. So in Northern Ireland, if you earn £14,000 or less, you get free school meals, whereas in England, as you said in your introduction, it's £7,400. So we've got a much more exclusionary policy in England in comparison to the rest of the United Kingdom. So that's another reason why we think there's a really strong case for the government in England to now move and extend free school meals. I think the word strong is a euphemism here. It's a... you know, uh, on the one hand, you have the rest of the country. So England seems to be lagging behind. And uh, as I said, you know, we're, we're playing with our children's future here. So it's, right, so yeah. you're saying that, you know, the in, in Scotland and Wales, um, all primary children, as you said, are already eligible for, for free school meals. And at the moment in England, uh, only until year two, I think, do they receive uh, That's free school right. meals. That's right. They haven't fully rolled it out yet in Scotland and Wales, but they're in the process of sure. doing it year by year. Right. So that's ongoing, and the government's, you know, funding that. So what what is the reason then for this, for a lack of a better word, complacency in uh, in thinking in policy making in in England? Well, I think um, the government has said it's 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 unaffordable, um, and what we've done now, very recently in October, we published this data which I just mentioned, which PwC has conducted, which actually means that argument just doesn't stack up now because we can really show that this is not 
um, a net de- deficit to the economy, but rather a net benefit. And so the affordability arguments quickly fall away. That's a no-brainer as far as I'm concerned, really. I mean, I, I don't think you need to... Uh, you need to prove uh, that uh, you know that, that you need to take care of your of your next generation. I, I think it's it's quite obvious that uh, that anybody any child who's coming hungry to school is not going to learn much. Mm. Well, um, we still have to make these these arguments to our um, our representatives in Parliament, and so <laughs> I would we're, what we're doing mm. at the moment is encouraging the public to write to their MP. We have a standard letter which people can just click through very easily. So if your listeners would like to do that and they want to Google Feed the Future, write to your MP, they'll go straight to the web page and they can just, in about two or three clicks, write a mes- uh, send a letter to their MP. It's already drafted, so it's super easy. But with the more that MPs hear from their constituents, that their constituents care about this issue the better because really we need to be flooding MPs inboxes with with these arguments so that they support the case. We 100% do. So I just Google, so feed the future and that has... Write to your uh, MP, yeah. Uh, and then you go into write to your MP. I can't seem to find how to support a message you can email them okay absolutely got it yeah absolutely so that's what i just did uh, uh, for the benefit of our listeners uh, you just google feed the future and that will take you to the uh, a landing page where if you just scroll down there's a link uh, where it says a message you can email your mp so something that i will do imminently uh, but yes yeah, so I, absolutely i think this is uh, this is something that needs to be so what sort of response uh, have you got from uh, from the parliamentarians so far. Well, I mean, we've we've been trying to build um, a coalition of parliamentarians across parties that support this, and there's mm. a, there's a good number, but it there needs to be more. And obviously, we've had you know quite a period of disruption in politics over the last few months, and mm. we're now things are settling down a little bit. We're starting to have those conversations with a wider number of MPs. And already we've had thousands of people who've written to their MPs. But really, you know, we have a few hundred MPs and they all need to be getting this message from their constituents. So we're we're building the arguments in the case, but we really need as much support as possible. If I can open up the discussion slightly more, Anna, do you Mm. think we're doing enough to educate our next generation? Um... Well, I mean, my my area of expertise is is food specifically, and, and I and, think yeah, and looking at it from a from a food and and yeah. you know from a hunger perspective. I mean, no, um, no, we have an extremely serious situation in the UK at the moment. I mean, free mm. school meals for, is an important intervention, but it it's only going to go a small way to addressing this much bigger challenge that we have of families on very low income struggling to feed their children well and then at the same time if you think about the 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 places in which we're making decisions about what to eat many of those places are really promoting foods which are are not good for our long-term health whether that's advertising of junk food or very cheap um calorie rich foods which are not really very nutritious for children so We've got a problem of incomes and we've got a problem with the wider food system that both of which we're we're trying to tackle through 
really making the arguments that we need to transform our food environment so that people can actually make it easy for people to eat well. And at the moment, poor diets are really holding us back. I mean, we saw it in the COVID pandemic, right, when the UK, because of our high levels of overweight and obesity, we were much more vulnerable to getting sick and dying from the from from the virus. Um, but we also see it in the NHS figures that where we've got this huge number of people now who are struggling in later life because of the effects of poor diet through their lives, whether that's musculoskeletal problems, type 2 diabetes, um, coronary heart um, disease, and a range of other conditions which accumulate because of poor diet. Mm. Um, So we really need to start to fix the food problem. 100%. Going back to children... 800,000 mm. is, a, is a huge number, shocking even. Um, and I, I, I was uh, not aware of this statistic. Why isn't the media, the mainstream media talking about this? I mean, they're focused on, uh, on the problems of migrant labor in, in Qatar, where, whereas we have almost a million children who are the future of this country uh, underfed. Well, we've, we've had a, a huge amount of media coverage over the last month. Um, the Evening Standard and The Independent have been running a campaign on this issue. Right. Um, the Today programme actually has covered it, I don't know, seven or eight times in the last month or so. So there has been quite a lot of coverage. Excellent. But you're right, there can always be more. Um, and obviously during the pandemic, we were working quite closely with Marcus Rashford on his campaign, and he obviously created a huge amount of media coverage on the issue of children at hungry hungry and it get being a barrier to their learning and so um there's a lot of media interest but of course you're right there are multiple competing issues at any one time and one of the things that we jobs that we have is to try and really make the um issue really powerful so that the media and the and, and help teachers and doctors and others get their voices heard in the media as you were describing earlier where you've got teachers who are really worried about students coming in with empty lunch boxes or hiding what's in their lunch box mm. because they're so embarrassed about what's inside you see if i look at the um uh, the bbc for example um this morning the the biggest the headline really is about detentions in shanghai I think this is the headline that we should be talking about. There are a million children underfed in this country, and we're not talking about that. Yeah, and that's somewhere yeah. mentioned in a in a uh, in in subtext or subscript somewhere, um, uh, where uh, you know you really have to search and find that news item. I wasn't certainly, and I you know I'm certainly I I like to read uh, newspapers daily, and I wasn't aware of the statistic that uh, right. that you've shared yeah. with us. So it's it's. Uh, it's really been an education, Anna, um, for us, and I'm sure for many of our listeners. Thank you so very much for for joining us. This was uh, this was very enlightening, uh, and all the best for the excellent cause and the um, excellent efforts you're making. And 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 really all the best. And again, one Thank last you. appeal to uh, to our listeners. Uh, do you want to share the page uh, one more time? Yes. So if you Google "Feed the Future," write to your MP. You'll go straight to it. And it would be wonderful to have your listeners click through and write to their own MPs. Well, I can't confirm um, what our listeners will do, but I shall certainly um, uh, write to my MP. Anna Taylor, really a pleasure speaking to you. Thank you so very much for joining us. Have a good day. And you. Bye-bye.
So that was Anna Taylor, who is the executive director at the Food Foundation, talking to us about the dire um, need for action, uh, as uh, a lot of children are uh, are underfed, almost eight hundred thousand. That's a big number. I mean, I'm talking about England. We're not talking about. Uh, uh, we're not talking about uh, some downtrodden part of Africa, are we? Yeah, that's shocking, really shocking for me as well. You know, looking at the other parts of the country and um, uh, other countries as well, like, you know, Yemen, Syria, Morocco, such countries, they are, you know, deprived of the basic necessities as well. And this is an example in front of us that we need to, you know, uh, learn from learn the lesson from them that when looking at the children over there they are mal uh, the malnutrition happened over there that it's such a stark a big issue um, that w- while living here we have 800,000 uh, children just children not overall people uh, the, who are underfed so we need to take the lessons from such countries uh, where we are looking at the consequences, the bad consequences of uh, malnutrition, and uh, certainly uh, that's you know shocking. And for for a children, for a child, uh, um, studying and uh, while studying, he needs to he needs to focus on his what he what he is studying. For doing that, he needs to be uh, fed. Um, in the best possible manner so we need to look at this issue uh, with uh, much more care and uh, with much more diligence mm. and uh, our our you know um, superiors our government mm. needs to take uh, action on this absolutely and and uh, you know we need to set up priorities right as well and the mainstream media i mean th- this this is the headline we should be talking about every yeah. single day uh, uh, not some you know arrest taking place in uh, far out in uh, in Southeast Asia or some uh, some protests there, but this is an emergency here. Hundreds of thousands of children are hungry every day, and that is, if that's not a crisis, I don't know what is. Let's um, yeah. uh, continue this discussion. Um, we shall now take a short break. Please do join us. Please do call us if you agree or disagree. If you want to add, if you're listening and you want to um, have your say in this discussion, please call us at zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight. Uh, You can also tweet us at Voice of Islam UK. Please participate in this discussion. We shall now take a quick break. And when we come back, we will continue this discussion on this um, crisis here in uh, in England about uh, hundreds of thousands of uh, children being underfed. Thank you. 
listening to the voice of islam radio what is peace is it the simplicities in life or something exquisite to some it is vague to some explicit to wake in a world wishing peace would just visit a deafening society wishing someone would just listen is it higher power that will bring this world new navigation, or is it acts of kindness that will refresh our imagination? I see powerless minds in search for reconciliation, who vote for justified masterminds who need no persuasion. Freedom of speech may be a thing of the past. Society pressures have us thinking, Why we even ask? We've been silenced because of the color of our skin. We've begun to believe that believing in God is a sin. What is peace? We ask today. A way of life. A feeling. Long way away. Who have we wronged to deserve this rubble? Who did we question? Who gave us this trouble? We have no shelter, we have no peace. With the one thing we had, it brought us to streets. Caught in selfish acts, money, power and greed. Who needs food when we no longer have children to feed? Where is the justice? Where is our say? Peace is what we ask for. Yet, there is more blood to pay. A new term in power. A video game for the fearless kind. A new six-figure salary. Who has a new house in mind? We are asked today, what is that you preach? Please look in our eyes. No need to question beliefs. You fear one religious mind could change the world. Fearless in thinking one bomb. And problem solved? Please justify the injustice. Stand up from your seat. We are not asking for much. We just ask justice for peace. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أشهد أن محمدا listening to the voice of islam radio assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh may peace and blessings of allah be upon you all welcome back to the live edition and we were talking about uk people's hunger crisis 
and as per the statistics it goes 800,000 people are under fed so looking uh, through the islamic perspective through the islamic lens uh, we find always we always find that islam is such a beautiful religion which always give the best possible solution um, and uh, not only the best possible solutions uh, during certain era rather uh, this, these are teachings which were revealed to the Holy Prophet, uh, may peace and blessings will be upon him, and 1400 years ago. And they are still, you know, um, we can still act upon them uh, in the best possible manner. So, uh, we find, you know, so many uh, uh, verses and uh, the sayings of the Holy Prophet uh, regarding. Uh, feeding the poor and the needy like in the Holy Quran uh, which emphatically declares that anyone particularly a Muslim who neg neglects or does not urge the feeding of the poor has rejected or denied the essence of religion so hast thou seen him who rejects religion so that is the one who drives away the orphan and urges not the feeding of the poor. Um, in Islam's response to contemporary issues, uh, this is a book uh, written by the fourth caliph of the MDM Muslim community, Hazrat Mizza Ahmad, may peace, uh, may Allah have mercy on him. He writes in his book, uh, and I quote, um, Islam establishes minimum rights in the form of four-point charter by defining the basic need which a state should procure food, clothing, water and shelter. Governments have both national and international responsibilities. These responsibilities on the national level are to fulfill the basic needs of each member of the society by ensuring that all are fed adequately, clothed and provided with water and shelter. The international duty is to fully participate in pooling resources to meet the challenges of wide-scale natural disasters or man-made calamities. And uh, to help such countries are, uh, as are by themselves incapable of, in, uh, of appropriately handling the crisis. As such, it is the duty of the state to set the matters aright by transferring back to the backers and poor people what truly belongs to them. So the four fundamental requirements of food, clothing, water and shelter will have uh, preference over all considerations. So, you know, uh, I was uh, listening to the one of the Friday sermons uh, of our current Imam, our current uh, Caliph of the worldwide empty Muslim community this Friday, like two days ago, and he was he has narrated a very beautiful incident uh, uh, from the life of um, Hazrat Abu Bakr Sadiq Rziyallahu who was the first Caliph of the of Holy Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And that was such a you know heart melting uh, incident. Um, or rather, I, I would say it was uh, incident of uh, the first caliph, Hazrat Abu Bakr, and the second caliph, Hazrat Umar. So the incident goes like this: that um, 
His Holiness uh, said that it is recorded that after Hazrat Abu Bakr uh, passing, uh, Hazrat Umar asked one of his workers the various virtues which he saw in Hazrat Abu Bakr. You know, when he uh, he was chosen, Hazrat uh, Umar, when he was chosen as a caliph after Hazrat Abu Bakr. So it is the incident of that time. So among the things, uh, so he was told that among the things he said was the fact that he went and fed a certain poor person every day. Hence, Hazrat Umar went to the same cave where the poor man who was blind and had no limbs resided in order to feed him. When he was given food, he began crying, realizing that Hazrat Abu Bakr had passed away. When asked how he knew this, he said that that he had no teeth, and so Hazrat Abu Bakr, uh, may Allah be pleased with him, used to chew the food and then put it in his mouth in order to make it easy for him. So, you know, s- s- uh, such a beautiful incident uh, which you can narrate um, to anybody regardless, uh, respective of uh, his religion or her religion or caste. Uh, every person can benefit from such uh, um, beautiful uh, incidents. So, as we are discussing, you know, the our topic, hunger crisis uh, of people, UK's people, especially I would say that England's uh, people, um, rather than I would say UK's people, because the situation here in England is especially really stark and uh, worrying that over 800,000 people are, you know, missing their um uh, food so uh, regarding this matter uh, on one occasion the promised Messiah uh, may peace and blessings will be upon him he said that serving humanity is itself is a form of worship of Allah at another place the promised Messiah said uh, that my state is such that if someone is in distress um, whilst I'm engaged in the obligatory prayers and, and and I hear their grief, it is my ardent desire to break the prayer and to try to help that person and to shower them with as much love as possible. So, you know, each khalif or each uh, prophet um, is trying to obey the teachings of Allah Almighty, uh, which are, you know, um, always beautiful and always the best teachings to follow. And uh, uh, the Prophet uh, Muhammad, uh, may peace and blessing of Allah be upon him, he once said that a person, uh, such a person is not a believer, not a believer whose stomach is filled whilst his neighbor goes hungry. You know, such are the teachings uh, given to us by the Holy Prophet, uh, peace be upon him, that we need to take care of our society, we need to take care of our uh, our neighbors, and uh, uh, it's better to go uh, hungry yourself, uh, and you need to take care of your neighbors. 
don't let them uh, you know um, go without any food uh, rather you should have an eye on your neighbor in terms of uh, their uh, hunger so uh, many more incidents we, we find throughout the history of islam and uh, still we are you know uh, going through um, such era where the md muslim community which who is you know treading on the path of uh, the teachings of islam is also following the sublime teachings uh, as well and try to act upon in the best possible manner and you know as we are talking about the islamic teachings uh, i will certainly you know touch upon the point on on the ramzan the month of fasting you know it's it's such a month it's such a beautiful month where you know apart from you know strengthening our bond bond you know, with allah the mighty in this month you know fasting also teaches us and you know make us realize that what really our hunger is uh, so that we can feel the pain and need of poor and needy people and so that we you know in order to you know uh, try to help them even more than before uh, you know it uh, uh, it's uh, it's mentioned in the in many hadith that regarding the holy prophet that he used to do uh, charity in the month of ramadan more than any other month um, like a like a strong wind and uh, you know it's such a beautiful example that how each person during the month of ramadan the month of fasting uh, tries to put ex- uh, extra effort um in terms of uh, you know helping the needy and the poor as it is the teaching which is given to us to act upon upon uh, our fellow beings in the best possible manner to help them with much more compassion and care so likewise you know uh, feeding the uh, there are many more examples uh, of the holy prophet uh, that he, he you know uh, he has special eye on feeding his companion his especially those companions who are in much more dire situation and in need of uh, uh, hunger so feeding the companions of uh, the holy prophet uh, and starve he used to you know starve himself and he especially feeds will feed his companion like there is one incident uh, incident that there's uh that on on one occasion uh one of the companion uh hazrat abu bakr sorry hazrat abu huraira yeah hazrat abu huraira relates that once uh, he had uh, starved for several days out of de- desperation he stood at the entrance of masjid an-nabawi and uh, asked the companions uh, you know who happened to pass by and by the meanings of quranic verse that enjoins feeding poor you know that's such a beautiful uh, incident and it goes like this more that was a subtle way of asking for food you know, you know by mentioning the quranic verse so that was a subtle way of asking for food but nobody understood by his intention his condition deteriorated and he was about to fall with extreme weakness out of hunger 
when suddenly he heard an affectionate uh, melodious voice uh, when he looked around and it was prophet muhammad um uh, peace and blessings of allah be upon him he was there he told him that we too did not have anything to eat at home today a person has just brought a bowl of milk go to the mosque he said to the holy prophet said to abu huraira go to the mosque and see uh, there may be other muslims who are hungry like us call them all in abu huraira gathered and brought them all in and the holy prophet started offering the milk bowl from the right hand side of gathering everyone drank the milk to their fill then it was abu huraira's turn he also had his fill when all the self sacrificing uh, com- companions uh, who had suffered from hunger and thirst had filled their stomachs with milk at last it was the turn of our master you know the holy prophet uh, may peace and uh, blessings of allah be upon him you know if you go down the lane of imagination this famous and well known uh, episode will lead you to uh varied vistas in today's world one cannot even think of such love and affection firstly no matter or uh, firstly no master or chief will even experience such hunger however it does happen on getting the food they will consider it is their right to be the first to take it however we live in a strange world you know so living in this world uh in this era where everything is moving so quickly that we don't even care to think about other people and we are only indulged in our own life uh, regardless of what other is doing and he is in need of uh, he might be in need of our help so you mm. know we need to take such steps which you know uh, so, so that consider we can the others yeah absolutely and think about others um, as well uh thank you very much uh, for that um uh detailed perspective um imam daniel and that brings us uh, to the end of t- today's show i must thank our producers sahar ahmed and sima rahman our researchers amber kamal mehnab rahman shanza mubarak and sara ahmed as well as excellent tech support uh, from mr akib thank you very much uh, to all our listeners who uh, who joined us um uh, today there will be another live show tomorrow uh, we shall be back uh, next monday until then assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh may peace and blessings of allah be upon you